Alright, right, today's daf is Peal. If we start on Peam Bet, two dots, about uh, ten lines from the bottom. Kola Ochlem. We're doing the, aspect, the uh, part about that uh, all the different types of foodstuffs can combine for the uh, minimum kizah. So, Kola Ochlem, we start in. So, I'm Rebbe Papa. Akhal Umsa. Um, now, what is considered, you know, food and what's considered non-food? What's considered food and what's considered liquid? Because we learned that food and liquid don't combine. So he says, if you ate, um, uh, like, raw meat with the salt on it, that combines. So maybe salt by itself not, that, you know, would not be considered food. Um, that we'll see a little bit later. The afagav de la even though eating salt is not that is not eating, even the achli inchi mitzdarfin. Since people eat this together, presumably seems to be the point. Therefore, they combine. So in this context, it becomes part of the food. Mitzdarfin. Um, salted raw meat. Salted raw meat. What is it like a beef jerky? It's well, it's like beef tartare or something. It's uh, it's not maybe. That's not. So yeah. it gets absorbed with something else. You consider like uh, you know. The them almost the two separate. You know what I'm saying? Because you could say, like, you know, if you said it sitting in marinade, so if I say the marinade. Well, we're going to talk about that, so let's keep on reading. Um, okay. The juice, the sauce that's on a vegetable, um, combines, even though you don't call one a food and the other a liquid. Um, for the minimum size of Kosevet. No, Rashi seems to say here that sear means the juices from the cooking of it. Okay. Um, where's Rashi? Okay. Um, is how he explains it. Uh-huh. So, okay. Um, so some type of a sauce. Chita. No, it's a liquid. The Anything coming to improve to the food is considered a type of a food. So if you eat like some meat with sauce, you know, mashed potatoes with sauce, it's not it's not meat and liquid. It's not excuse me, it's not food and liquid. It's actually all considered food and it combines. I'm very lucky. What yes? It doesn't really make sense in terms of Shabbos reheating food. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, but that actually is an issue by Shabbos as well, because when we talk about Bishalach or Bishalbailach, we talk about, well, let's say the, the dish is part solid and part liquid, right. and we actually do somewhat categorize that based on Ikar and Tafel, so there's related issues there. Uh, but it might be different considerations. Does it work the other way around if I soup with whatever it is, then it's considered uh, liquid? That's an interesting question. I don't know. It's an interesting question. Yeah, it's an interesting question also because, right, to what degree is soup a liquid? You know, if you have vegetable soup, would that go under uh, Malilugmov or would that go under Kikosevet? If you went to a restaurant and asked for something to drink, and they gave you... Unless you get soup in a cup. That's an interesting question, how soup would be categorized. Just a quick question. What would say a kizai? Does that mean like it's approximately like a zayat? No, it but it's a the size of a zayat. Well, not that you actually you're not, because you're not eating an olive. You're eating an olive's worth of. So that's what the cost means. Okay, so I'm very lucky. Achilos got to be yom kippur and pater. If you eat a overeat on yom kippur, you're totally stuffed, and you're eating now on erev yom kippur, and you keep on eating on yom kippur, and you're just like forcing the food down. So then you're exempt. My time, they're low to next. It's the, the one who does not afflict themselves. So, prat lemazik. 
So we're talking about an, it's some type of a thing that is abates the sense of affliction. If your eating is actually is is is, is, is hurting you, and there's a great little Rashi here, it's three four lines down in the wide lines Rashi, or four lines up from the from the bottom. So it excludes this type of person who's eating, and the eating does not do anything to abate the sense of affliction. And then it says, Ella, great line of Rashi here, Maziku This type of an eating is a waste of the food, it's hurting the food, and it's hurting you. It's not something good to either of you. It's wasting the food, and it's, and it's hurting yourself. But he's eating a normal eating to save himself before he got to that point. No, he did that Arab Kipper. You don't eat up through Achila Gasa. Erev Yom Kippur, you filled yourself up, and that was a normal Achila. Comes Yom Kippur, and the eating you're doing on Yom Kippur is only, is, 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 is stuffing yourself. Yeah, you you already sated, and now it's like, you know, it's like, no, it's like, you know, you had your Thanksgiving feast, and you said, yeah, I can't eat another bite, and then you forced yourself to eat more on Yom Kippur, you know, that, that, that night, even though you were totally stuffed. Okay? Pratlamazi. If a non-Kohen a Truma, now if a non-Kohen eats Truma Bishoge, he pays, he pays the Truma back plus a fifth. Actually, it's a quarter, but it's a fifth after you pay it. Like if, the, if it's a hundred and you pay twenty-five, then a hundred and twenty-five is now the twenty-five is a fifth of the total. So anyway, um, but that's what he pays, but only if he eats Truma. If he destroys Truma, he only pays back the principal. So if a czar eats truma chilagasa, same idea, he was totally stuffed and he forced the truma down, the shalomas again, you only pay the principal. It's not the additional fifth. It's not, it doesn't constitute eating. Ki yochal, it says, ki yochal kodesh bishkaga. Yochal, it has to be eating. Pratlamazik, not this. This isn't considered eating. This is considered damaging, damaging yourself. Now, of course, what would be more interesting would be saying if you ate chilev, you know, anachila gasa. You ate chametz anachila gasa. You know, these two things are also are not like machalas asuros. Yeah, I mean, trum I guess is, but still, the difference of achila versus mazik, and you know, Yom Kippur is about abating the enoy, as opposed to something which focuses on the highly problematic nature of the object itself, like chelim. You know, and you're still putting the chelim into your body. But nevertheless, there tends to be an assumption that the issues of achila gasa as an exemption would apply to those issues as well. Okay, so that's, I mean, and there's other Gemaras about, about Achila, about Achila, you know, Achal Prat Lemazik, but here are the two applications of very classic examples of Machal Pesurah. Okay, I'm going to give me a rib, Yochanan, Zar Shekoses, Orim, now we're going to other discussions of what is not, does or does not constitute eating. If a non-Kohen chews uh, barley, the word kosase is used particularly by like chewing raw grains, in a, you know, in, in, in that, in that's not normally the way you eat. You know, it's not normally edible. So if you choose raw barley, um, similarly, you pay the principal, but you don't pay a fifth because that's not considered an act of eating. When you eat, as opposed to when you damage. Okay, so presumably also would you say if you did the same on Yom Kippur. Although by Yom Kippur, again, you could have different categories. One is what defines an act of eating. The other is, is it something that considers to be abating the enoi? So in theory, you could have different results to that, right? The process is not a normal eating, but the result is that it filled up your stomach. So we'll discuss that also when we get to the end. 
No, tobacco doesn't fill you. No, but anyway, we'll see when we discuss the issue about about eating things that are not normally eaten, which is the upcoming Mishnah. Let's get one. Let's get to the to do that. Um, if a non Kohen ate Shizifin, what are Shizifin? No, I think plums, right? Look at Rashi, two lines from the top. Shizifin, prunes, plums. Okay? So you swallowed a prune whole. You didn't chew it, is the point. Okay? So he kian and he then regurgitated them. And another person ate the regurgitated plum. <laughs> so the reason it gives this example is because it doesn't, if it was chewed, it would be more disgusting, but anyway, it would be less of a chidish. Here the idea is that the other person could be eating, okay, it's disgusting, but still a whole thing. It's still a whole prune. You spit the whole thing back out. Okay? Um, the first guy pays principal and a fifth. That's considered eating. Even if you swallow something whole, as opposed to chewing raw, you know, as opposed to forced eating, as opposed to chewing raw grain, swallowing whole still constitutes eating. Sometimes people swallow things whole. So the first guy pays the principal and the fifth. Shani, the second guy, only pays back the first guy to cost the firewood. What it means? It means the first guy, once he swallowed it, he was kona it. It became his. You know, he stole a Kohen's truma, but it's like, you know, there's all these principles in Babakama. You steal something, you change it, whatever. It says, then you take possession of it. He has to pay back the Kohen, but he took possession of it. So he took possession of it, and therefore, A, so the, sec- so the second guy's obligation is not going to be to the Kohen. It's going to be to the first guy. And, number two, it's no longer considered food. Even though he, it still was a whole prune, it's now disgusting and it's not considered food, so now it's considered just like wood. Like, what can be used for? What would a normal person use this for? They use it for firewood, they use it for fuel. No normal person would eat it. So therefore, the obligation is only to the first guy. Number one, the first guy owns it. Number two, it's no longer food. It's only treated as fuel. Now, it's interesting to ask whether the second guy's exemption is because the first thing that was done was considered an achila or not. Right? To what degree are those two kinds Concepts, you know, linked or not linked. Meaning, let's say the set first guy who swallowed it swallowed it, and it was an achila gasa. So we already said that's not considered an achila, right? And so the first guy doesn't pay the kohen more than the principal, and then he spits it up. Is it also of oh, the second guy only considered like firewood? Is the reason it's considered, you know, the second guy to the second guy no longer like food because the physical reality that it was swallowed and regurgitated? Yeah. Or yes, or but it's but it's interesting the way the Gemara frames it is it might be because halachically we say what the first guy did was an achila. And therefore, that changes the status of this object vis-a-vis the second guy. How, so, I'm just putting that it, out there. How is it that yes. regurgitating a piece of food is not mafkir, that object, so that right. the guy then takes it? How could he be high of anything to that guy? What? How can you be high? I don't know. Don't, don't touch that prune. I'm planning on reading it. I'm here. I'm going to save this gum for later, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to say? All right. Anyway, yes. It is true. It's a similar phrase. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. But that here just means that it's uh, that it, it is a, it is the same phrase. But here just means that you know most what it is is just firewood and fuel. It doesn't have any value other than that. Also, yeah. In terms of the way they term it, like a, a fifth and percentages, yeah. it's very confusing the way they're doing it. 
the opposite of the way the everyone. way we would do it right yeah, and anyone I, because when you say 100 and you say 8% it's not yeah, I understand I understand that yes that's that's why I always point it out because it's exactly it's not what you would think okay now we already sort of referred to this issue food and drink don't combine for the minimum size Montana who is the who is the author of the Mishnah? Who is the Tana that says that food and drink don't combine for a minimum size? You're right to point that out because it actually is a matter of debate. Rabbi Yehudi, and it's Rabbi Yeshua who says that they don't combine. Non, we taught. Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua said a principle. If the tuma and the the degree of tuma, he's talking about tuma purposes and not about Yom Kippur purposes, and the minimum size are the same, they combine. So, if you have, for example, a half of a kezayis of nevela, and uh, another half of a kezayis of nevela. Okay, well, that's too easy. If you have a half of a kezayis of nevela, let's see the example Rashi does. Um, or, well, actually, no, that is the example Rashi does. Okay, so it is pretty straightforward, because most things are different amounts of tuma. Okay, so then they combine. It doesn't matter if one is from one animal carcass and the other from another animal carcass. They're both the same minimum amount. How much nevela do you need for tuma, a kezayis? And they both have the same degree of tuma. If you touch it, your tame for a day. So that does combine. Okay, that's too much of a shiur shavet. Not much. There's a difference on either plane. Um, what, you know, only the tum is the same, but not the amount. What would be an example? Nevela and a sheret. Both of them cause one day tuma, but um, the minimum amount of a nevela is the size of an, of an olive. The minimum amount of a sheret is the size of a lentil bean. So in that case, um, um, they would not combine. Even if you had a half of a lentil bean of nevela and a half of a lentil bean of a sheret, the fact that they're different minimums puts them in fundamentally different categories. Okay, that's tumaso, that's, that's tumaso velochiro, or the hero velochimaso. It's the same amount, but different types of tumma. You have a half of a kazayas of an avela and a half of a kazayas of the human corpse. They both go by kazayas, but they're different degrees of tumma. An avela causes one day tumma, a corpse causes seven days tumma. So those also do not combine, even for a one day tumma. The fact that they're different, they don't even combine for the more lenient category. The fact that there's different tumma or different minimums puts them in fundamentally different categories they can't combine. Is a corpse not just a cloud? Corpse, any corpse or a Jewish corpse? Uh, any corpse. The question about non-Jewish corpse is whether it's tumma in an ohel, under a roof. Ah, but right, if I right, contact... Right, okay. right, right. Low tumma sabuloshiro, certainly if neither the tumma and the shir is the same, any starving, they don't combine. So as long as there's any point of difference in terms of tumma or the amount, they don't combine even for the more lenient category. So and that is that is debated. That's Rabbi Yeshua's position. Um, so the Chachamim, the implicit Chachamim, would say that even across those lines, they can combine at least for the le- more lenient category, right? So a half a kazayis of a mace and a half a kazayis of a nevela may be combined for a one-day tumah, not a seven-day tumah, but a one-day tumah, right? So only Rabbi Yeshua says that these categories do not combine across the lines. Even the rabbis who there say they do combine across categories here would agree. Only there the rabbis argue with Rabbi Yeshua when it comes to Tumah. They'll say, look, as long as it's all, you know, it's all Tumah, it doesn't matter if it goes across, you know, across categories, that's minimum amount, okay? Especially in a case where the effect is the same. So like a half of a of a of a of a, of a barley bean of of, of a lentil bean of 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 nevela, a half of a lentil bean of a sheret could combine to cause a one day tumah because nevela causes a one day tumah and a sheret causes a one day tumah. 
So have them at least combine, you know, for the for the minimum amount. I think I said that wrong. A half of a no, I think I said that right. No, a half of a kazayas of a sheriff so that, that would be the makeaway. Anyway, a half of a kazayas of a sheriff and a half of a kazayas of a veiler. Anyway, either way, as long as you're doing it to be more to be more strict, not to be more lenient. They could combine as long as anyway it's the same amount of tumah. here The problem is not just a formalistic saying of oh you know you have some from category A and some from category B and one is more stricter anyway so of course you can combine. Here it's a practical question of does it abate the sense of affliction? The high low and you know a, a food below the threshold plus drink below the threshold doesn't do it for you even in some formalistic way you say you have a minimum amount it doesn't have the same effect of abating the sense of inoy which seems to be something the Gemara falls back on you know to explain like a number of differences here makes it much more subjective and reality based as we discussed yesterday than many of these discussions in other contexts the Kedemar Yishlokit says no it's the same debate it's only the Rev Yoshua by Tumah who says things don't uh, combine across categories that would say food and drinks don't combine on Yom Kippur. Rev Yoshua, non Kalam Rev Yoshua said, Rev Yoshua, and our field team are up on the team of the rabbis. Adkan will come here up on the Hassam, I'll leave Tumah. There by Tumah, the rabbis say, okay, you could take something from a strict category and combine it for a more lenient category and get the minimum amount. But here, it's about settling the das. It's about abating the affliction. The high will create and a little bit and food and drink, even though they're both point, you know, just an epsilon below the threshold. It doesn't combine. You need to hit the threshold of each one in order to achieve that sense of removing the affliction. So basically, from a formalistic sense, if you have a strict thing, right, like like the sheriff is stricter, but sheriff causes tumma even with a lesser amount. And it causes, but, it, but both Sheretz and an Avela cause one day Tuma. So if you have an Avela minus Epsilon of a Kazayas, and you take a little Sheretz, why not combine? Sheretz is stricter, both one day Tuma, so you can have a little Sheretz add to the amount of an Avela and cause the Tuma. That's what the rabbis say. Fine. That's when it's only a formalistic question of minimums and categories of Avela. But here it's the question of your psychological reality and the impact it has. And here we're claiming there it has to be food by itself or drink by itself. A little bit of each is not going to affect the same reality. So again, you could debate whether or not that's true. But the fascinating thing is that the Gemara is not saying this is not just the formalistic type of an approach that we have by other things. It's very much is rooted in the actual psychological reality that is affected. Yeah. Right. So let's take a look at the next yeah, show. Right. So there's two questions. One is one is subjective. The subjective aspect we dealt with was Mari Rufa. That's even getting it to be more like non-formalistic. Every person we're going to assess differently. So you say, oh, if you assess the minimum amount differently, let's say, uh, you know, let, let's say different foods do different things to me. But, you know, the Gemara sort of tries to deal with that. It's meat the same as, as, you know, as grape leaves or whatever. So there's obviously some balance between the subjective and trying to get some type of a standard or trying to claim that the standard is true regardless of the subjective reality. But that aspect of subjective we only found by minimum amounts. We do not find it by things like the types of food okay so there's a, but it's still different to say it's rooted in an, an actual rea- psychological reality without saying it's subjective we could still say as we assess what that standard psychological reality is 
right? It does not have to be each person, a different rule for each person. But there still is a difference between saying completely formalistic as opposed to rooted in a psychological reality. But, but even saying psychological reality could be a standard psychological reality. It's a, it's a completely next step to say as we assess it for each individual person, which the Gemara only did when it came to the quantity and there only by the drink so and not by the food. Is, the meat, right, and that actually is a perfect segue into the next Mishnah. Now here's one area in which eat food and drink do somewhat combine, not to the minimum amount, but to the same Avera. If somebody ate a minimum amount and drank a minimum amount and they did it in one state of forgetfulness, they forgot it was Yom Kippur, you only bring one Korban. Because basically, let's say you ate, let's say you ate, you know, two Kikosevet in one state of forgetfulness. You would only bring one Korban. That's considered to be one Avera. You just did more of the Avera. Okay? Like the Gemara says, if a Nazir forgot he was a Nazir and he's drinking wine the whole day, as long as he doesn't remember anywhere in the middle that he's a Nazir, it's considered... (laughs) (laughs) After a while, he won't remember. It's considered to be one Avera done, you know, multiple times as opposed to multiple Averas. So, uh, so, and therefore here, well, or ongoing, yeah, but for, for Korban purposes, right, well, it is true that normally we say things have to be like Bechdech and process to be considered a continuous process, but at least it's not a separate, distinct enough, so I, I wouldn't go so far to say it's just one continuous thing, that would be like if it's Bechdech, Yus Pras, Revius, but even if it's over, at, you know, at different moments, it's not distinct enough from the other one, it's that it, it brings a separate korban. In the end, it would only bring one korban. In the case by another where it's not a korban, it'd only be one set of lashes. If you actually, it's hard because if you warned him, okay, that's different anyway, because if you warned him, then the warning, should, I don't get into that, even though I may raise it. Anyway, okay, but it's enough that those two things, even if you don't call them one act, combined for one korban, because they're the same avera. Okay, and the same avera, not da, the avera of lo uneh of not abating the affliction. It's the same prohibition, even though one is through eating, one is through drinking, and even though the, the minimums don't combine, nevertheless, it's the same Avera done without being aware in between. It's only one Korban. Okay, however, If you eat and do Malacha, those are two separate prohibitions. One is Lo Tu'uneh, and the other is not Lo Tatekom Lacha. So there, even if it was one forgetting of Yom Kippur, two separate categories of, 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 of prohibition, two Korbanot. Now this is going back to Michael's question. Let's say you ate food that is not fit for being eaten, or liquid that's not fit for being for being uh, non-potable. This is presumably an example of not fit for being dry, for drink. You drank fish brine or moris. How do they translate moris? Some other type of disgusting liquid. Fish fats. There you go. Patur, you are exempt. So that presumably is an example of not really Shia. Just have regurgitated fruits. Exactly. Amar Ishlakish. Says Ishlakish. All right. Let's wait to see how the Gemara deals with it. Amar Ishlakish. Says Ishlakish. Mitnema lo nemras hara bi'inoi. Now, what the Gemara has to now deal with is, you know, the beginning of the of the parak discussed how do we know that that you know lo tuune hario inoi means eating and drinking. How do we know the other inuyim? But now we're dealing with a more technical problem. Not just how do we know the Torah is mandating you not to eat and drink, but in order to bring a korban, you cannot bring a korban or get malchus without a azhara, without a negative prohibition. 
Right? That's the general rule. So even things that are like weighty that you get curries for, like not doing a bris meal or not doing a korban pesa, since it's not, not, not doing a positive mitzvah, rather than transgressing a negative, you don't bring a korban for not bringing korban pesa. Okay? To bring a korban, it's not, you need two things. Number one, you get curries, but number two, you have to transgress a negative prohibition. To get malchus, you need to transgress a negative prohibition. So, okay, the Gemara is now asking the following question. We know you're obligated to fast and it means don't eat and drink. Because it says, you have to, the ini temet nafshotechem. But we got a little bit of a problem. The ini temet nafshotechem is a positive mitzvah. You shall fast. And if I don't do it, so I haven't done a positive mitzvah. What, what, that means if you haven't done the positive mitzvah of fasting. Where does the Torah ever say, don't do X? And if I, you want to make me bring a korban, you have to tell me, don't do X. So a is going to say, you know, it was grammatically impossible for the Torah to say that. So it's as if the Torah did say it. So let's take a look at what Eishlaki said. Why does the Torah never exactly say, don't, by the issue of fasting? It's not possible to actually articulate that. Okay? What do you want the Torah to say? Don't eat on Yom Kippur. Because as we've been discussing, it's not, no, then it would have meant an olive's worth. Right? And we know it's about affliction and non-affliction. And it's about kikoseveth. So it could not have used the verb eat. That would not have been the right verb to use. Um, okay. Achila b'kazayif. Nechtev rachmana, let the Torah say, lo t'uneh, don't fast. No. Kumechol masma. That means eat. That's saying the opposite. Okay? So what it really needs to say is, don't not fast. Um, so, so anyway, Matkif le Rav Hoshiach, Rav Hoshiach challenges. Nechtev rachmana, hishamer pen lo t'uneh, guard yourself lest you do not fast, which is another way of saying don't not fast. So the says, no, no, because then Hishamer and Pen would mean two laws, and maybe the Torah only wants to say one law. And Hishamer Lotuna is just not grammatically correct. So there's no way to say it. So it's yeah. as if it says it, but it didn't say it, because it couldn't exactly say those words. So Mazkifar... Yeah, Hishamer and Pen would count as two. And somehow, just to say Hishamer Lotuna would not grammatically make sense. They're going backwards, so you're stuck. Right? The Torah could not grammatically frame something in rabbinic categories. <laughs> That's one way of saying it. Okay. How about just say don't not don't not to low low to now. Okay. Anyway, uh, which of course is that great line by was Stanley Morgan Besser. He was like a philosopher at, at Columbia. Anyway, he was known for his one-liners. So somebody was was giving a lecture once and said it's very strange. You know, in English, a double negative is a positive, but a double positive isn't a negative. So he says, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, all right. <laughs> so, Ibn Kain and Fishalavi, so Maskifla Ravibi Barbaiz, or Ravibi Barbaiya, Nikta Rahmana Hishamer, Ben Mitzvah Enoi. Why doesn't the Torah self guard yourself regarding the mitzvah of fasting? Okay, so that he guard makes it a lotase. No. In Kain, Hishamed Allah, in Kain, Hishamed Allah, Allah, Hishamed Yasayasay. No, that won't work, because Hishamer, when applied to Hishamer, did not do X. Makes it, a, makes it a negative profession. But Hishamir to do X means it's an extension of the positive. So adding Hishamir to a to do just extends the idea of a positive, does not make it into a negative. So Matki Varavashi, so Rashi says, how about this? Nichtav al Tatsur min ha'inoi. Why doesn't it say, do not turn away from the fasting? 
All right, Tasha, that's difficult. But the upshot being that there's no good way to elegantly frame the idea of fasting without using positive language. But somehow, nevertheless, we assume that the Torah wants to prohibit the opposite. And therefore, we can make it, we have the idea that there is a negative prohibition even though it's not written. Like the negative prohibition is implied. And that allows us to have the idea that you bring a korban if you do eat, or you would get malchus, because the negative prohibition is implied even though it's not really possible to elegantly state it. Okay, so then we're not done though with this issue. So let's take a look. Zitana the, the Brisa, the author of the Brisa, doesn't just say, oh, it's implied because there's no way to say it. He learns out the idea of a negative prohibition from the following drasha. Okay, afflict yourselves, do the So first it starts like this. One minute. Maybe you will get punished for doing malacha in the period of the Tosefet. We're going to learn soon. And by the way, according to some Rishonim, the only place there's a biblical mitzvah of Tosefet, of adding on to Shabbos and Yantiv, we assume it applies by all, but by, by, by like all Shabbos and Yantiv, but according to some Rishonim, biblically the mitzvah of adding on only is on Yom Kippur, according to the Rambam. So let's say you started Yom Kippur early because of the mitzvah of Tosefet, Mosifin Michol Ala Kodesh, you add from the weekday, and during that period of Tosefet, before it became uh, sunset, you ate, or in that period of Tosefet, you did Molacha. How bad is that Avera if you did it during the Tosefet? So that's where the brightness starts. Maybe you'll get the punishment for doing Molacha during the period of the Tosefet. If you do malacha in the essence of this day, I'll eat sumo shoyomanish kares. You get kares for doing malacha during the day itself. Not during the add-on part of the day when you started Yom Kippur early. Well, yeah, but yeah, but we'll get to that later. Um, okay. I'll tosefes malacha. Fine. You don't get punished for doing malacha during the tosefes. Maybe you'll get punished for, for, for not fasting during the Tosefet, meaning the same weighty punishment. We, you know, we can discuss what the punishment is. Maybe it's just the bittle of the positive mitzvah of Tosefet. But maybe you wouldn't get actually the same punishment, Kares. Tamad Lamar, it says the same language by fasting. It says by fasting as well. By the essence of the day, if you if you eat during the day itself, you get karis. Not if you eat during the, the during the addition. Fine. Fine. Maybe you don't get karis for eating and doing malacha during the tosefes. Maybe you transgress a negative prohibition. You transgress the law, even if you don't get karis. It says, do not do any malacha in the essence of this day. So again, notice the word by the doing malacha, not just by the punishment, but by the doing. Um, you're, you're prohibited, you get a, a negative prohibition on the essence of the day. But you do not transgress the negative prohibition if you do it during the addition, the add-on part of the day. Fine. Maybe you won't transgress for doing malacha during the Tosefes. But maybe you'll transgress for not fasting. You won't get karek, but maybe you'll transgress. And actually, it's a Kabbalah Homer. Now, I should say that I can learn out that you should not get transgressed. 
which is more universal it applies on Shabbos and Yantav you don't transgress during the Tosefis period so fasting which is not universal it only applies on Yom Kippur so therefore it's fundamentally a weaker prohibition how much more so should you not transgress during the Tosefis Okay, so therefore I could learn it out from a Kalbachomet. So I know, I know, we'll get to it. Okay? So I could learn out now, I know that you don't get Kores for Tosefes. I know you don't get a negative prohibition for Tosefes because it says Etzem, the Itsumo Shalyom. And I know even that the eating during the Tosefes, you don't transgress because of a Kalbachomet. But now the Gemara, the Brighter continues. So, but with all of that saying what you don't get during the Tosefet we have yet to learn out the negative prohibition of eating on Yom Kippur where is the negative prohibition to eat on Yom Kippur Minayan where do you know that from because here's the reason why does it have to say that there's a punishment for this kares for doing malach on Yom Kippur don't, you don't need to say that the government Enoi. I could have learned it out from the punishment from, from not fasting. Uma Enoi Shenanog Bishabas Biyomitobim, similar to the Kabakomi we said before. Enoi, which is not universal, doesn't apply to Shabbos and Yantov. Enosh Kares, you get Kares. Malacha Shenanog Bishabas Biyomitobim, low call Shikane. How much more so should you get Kares for doing, for doing Malacha? So Lama Nemer, so why does the Torah have to tell me you get Malacha, you get Kares for doing Malacha? To tell Lama Nemer, Mufna, to tell you actually you're right. That pro, the pro, to tell you you get karis by malacha is superfluous. You could have figured it out yourself. So lahakish, and the reason it's superfluous is in order to make a basis for linking to the idea of fasting. The lodumi to to make a, an equation. It tells you the punishment by fasting karis. It tells you the punishment by malacha karis. Now we said the punishment by malacha is superfluous. So the fact that it's superfluous lets you use it as a funnel to learn out other things. So the same way by Malacha, we know not only is there the punishment, kares, but there's also the negative prohibition, don't do Malacha. So the same is true by Enoi. The same way there's a punishment, there's also a prohibition. So I'll take Michael's question, but just, so what do we said until now? The first part of the price is not really relevant to us. It introduces the idea of Tosefet. There's an idea of adding on to Yom Kippur. tells us you don't get kares or you don't transgress for the Tosefet. The second part of the Brisa is what's interesting to us. It says, how do you know that there's a negative prohibition to do Malach on Yom Kippur? And it's not saying, because here's the words in the Pasuk. There are no words in the Pasuk. It's basically saying the Pasuk teaches you there's a negative prohibition by linking fasting to Malach. And saying the same way fasting you get kares and Malach you get kares. So the same way there's kares for, the kares for Malach is backed by a negative prohibition. The curries for eating about fasting is also backed by a negative prohibition. And we're entitled to make that equation because we say it didn't have to, it was superfluous to mention curries by, by malacha. I could have figured it out. So since it was superfluous, the purpose is to link it to eating and to teach me the curries by malacha is backed by fat, by prohibition. So the curries by eating is also backed by a negative prohibition. Yes. No. There's Mila and Pesach. It's, it's not backed by a negative prohibition. Those are the only Yes, but how do you know? Maybe this is only it's similar. Maybe it's only a positive. How do you know there's a negative prohibition? I'll yeah. get back to the, uh, the Adara and Enoi. I mean, 
we have a principle sometimes that the reason something is mentioned twice is one is cause the owner's cause. Yeah. So why don't we apply that here? Because we're Lazara for killing. It's the same thing. How would you say it? Don't not, not kill? What? I mean, no, that is an interpretation. Don't kill. I don't no, know. What's the Azara for? What do you mean with the Azara? That's the Azara. Don't kill. Isn't it that we were... We no, the fact that it was said in like a negative. No, the problem here is that it's only said in a positive. Fast. It's never said in a negative. Right. Everything right. else is a negative. Don't kill. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't betray. Don't do this. Don't do that. Twice, though. I thought we have a principle. Something. No. One Azara, one. Uh, yeah, one, yeah, but not to turn a positive into a negative. No, that that's exactly the problem. Yes. Okay. So now the Gemara continues. Um, okay. So that's how we learn it out because of the comparison to the to to to, to Malacha. Um, so the Gemara says five lines down in the wide line. Ikulimifra. One minute, you can challenge that. No, you can't just say that um, that uh, it's a kavachomer. If you get curries for fasting, you get curries for for malacha. No, maybe Inoy is more strict, even though it's not universal. Why is mean Inoy more strict? Because it's never allowed. I mean, outside of pikuach nefesh. Malacha sometimes is overridden, like when you do malacha in the base of Mikdash on Shabbos and on Yom Kippur. So, just because you get kares for Enoi doesn't mean you get kares for malacha. So, there goes your idea that it's superfluous. So, Ella, fine, try it this way. Let's try the other way. Let's say the, the, the kares by Enoi is superfluous. So, why did it have to say kares by Enoi? The government of I should learn that from malacha. So malacha that sometimes is allowed, like in the base of mikdash. Nevertheless, you get kares inu shalu which is never allowed. How much more so should you should you get kares? It should be obvious. Lama nemer. So why does there have to say kares by inu? It's superfluous. Mufna in order to open it up. To make an equation. To tell you, both of them get kares. So the same way the kares by malacha is backed with a negative prohibition. They're the same by, by the issue of fasting. So it's the same point that kares is superfluous, except the Gemara didn't want to say it's superfluous by malacha. Maybe malacha, you wouldn't have gotten kares. Fine, it's superfluous by enoi. I could have learned enoi from malacha as opposed to the reverse. So the Gemara says, no, that's not good either. Like you said earlier, there's ways in which Enoi is more strict. It's never overridden for the base of Mikdash. But there's ways in which Malach is more strict. Malach is a universal. Enoi doesn't apply in other cases. So basically, you cannot say that the idea of Kares is superfluous in one of those to allow you to make this equation. Because you couldn't have learned one from the other. Each one has its stringencies. Okay, so basically we've been trying to say, let's learn it out from the fact that the Onish is backed by an Atara, by fasting, by, by Malacha, and one of those ideas of Kares is superfluous, we could have figured it out, and the answer is, it's not superfluous, you couldn't have figured it out, so you don't have the basis for making this equation. Is the okay. Musa the same as Gzeir Shava? Yes, but you can only make a Gzeir Shava when you have an extra word. Right. If the word isn't, so you need to make it extra to allow us I to do the Gzeir Shava. So the, and the response is, it's not extra. Right, but so okay. linked by Gzeir Shava, in this case, because it was Musa, it has to be the same in all aspects or only in that one aspect that's actually being linked. Things that mm-hmm. are linked by Gzeir Shava have to be Equal in all No, no, it's completely Chazal's discretion what things they're learning out from the Xavier Shabbat. You're exercising that discretion. Exactly. Okay. Amar Avina, so we're still the question about how do you link the two. 
So high Tana, Esem Esem Gamar. The Tana is not focusing on the fact that the Kares is extra and that allows us to make the link. He's focusing on the fact that the word Esem is extra. The Esem Hayom is there. Of course, the whole point of the Esem before was to tell me that it didn't apply during the Tosefet. So the Merse says Mufna. One of them has to be extra. Ilo Mufna, again, if it's not extra, you can say that you can't make the link. So, which one is extra? Chanisha Kroyksive. It says five times, okay? You know, Be'etzam Ayomazeh. Ksivim B'mlacha. It says by Melacha. Actually, no. It doesn't say five times Be'etzam by Melacha, but it says five times don't do Melacha. Chad Lazara, the Yamama, once you tell me don't do Melacha in the day. Chad Lazara Delelia, once you tell me don't do Melacha at night. Chad Onish, once you tell me the Yamama, one the punishment of the day. Chad Onish Delilah, one the punishment of the night. And one pasuk is extra. In order to link the inor to melacha and tell me that the same way again that by melacha there's a negative prohibition. There's a negative prohibition by the inor. So you can open up your chumash and do the counting. But the basic point is we've got an extra prohibition there, and therefore that allows us to link them. Today, Rabbi Shmeltana, Nemarkan inor. Here's another way. So that way is just saying the same way by melacha. It's back by nazara. Same by eating, it's back by Nasara. Some way we have something is extra that lets us link it. The Bay Rebbe Shmeltana, Nemerkan Enoi, Venemelan Ilui. No, here's the way. It says here Enoi, and it says over there Enoi. Okay, let's see what the over there is. Malala lo ana shalom kinis here, afkan lo ana shalom kinis here. The same way there, okay, it's backed by negative prohibition. So that's what's the there. Rashi says, Al Dvar Asher Ina et Eshet Re'ehu. Okay, so that's talking about a case of rape. So when the Torah describes rape and it says ina, right? So that type of inui is backed by a negative prohibition. Don't rape. So you know, don't have forbidden sex. So here too, the inui is backed by a negative prohibition. So we're not learning inui from malacha from Yom Kippur. We're learning general times when the Torah speaks about inui. It is about it's a negative. Of course, there's a difference. There is, don't do Enoi. Don't do this act of afflicting. Don't do this act of rape. Yeah, Here it's, it's do Enoi. Like, like right, it's the same issue, right. Exactly. So, okay. Uh, okay. Rav Achba Yaakov Amar, Yolif Shabbos Shabbosom, Shabbos Precious. No. By Yom Kippur it says it is a day of Shabbat Shabbaton. And by the normal weekday Shabbos it says Shabbat Shabbaton. Weekday. Weekly Shabbos. Malalan lo anasem kinizir. The name of a normal Shabbos is backed by a negative prohibition. Afgan lo anasem kinizir. Here too it's backed by a negative prohibition. Rav Papa Amar, Rav Papa says, Hu gufei Shabbos Ikri. You don't have to say it's compared to Shabbos Precious. The very fact that Yom Kippur is called the Shabbos, okay, that tells you that it's uh, that it's that, that you that you can't do things on it. Now, again, it's not exactly clear to me how different that is, um, because we know the concept of Shabbos means don't do certain things based on Shabbos precious. He's just sort of saying that it's not based on a Zera Shava. It's not you have the word Shabbos and the word Shabbos and you link it and you learn out a negative prohibition. He's saying intrinsically, the word Shabbos carries with it the meaning of don't do the opposite. Don't destroy the Shabbat. And therefore, the word Shabbos tells you a negative prohibition. Okay. You should, you should rest on your, you should, you know, you should rest on your Shabbos, which is by Yom Kippur. 
Okay. Um, now, we get right, Rav Papa did not want to say very like Rav Yaakov, it's linked to the Shabbos of Reishit, and you learn out the prohibition from the Shabbos of Reishit, rather than say, which is what Rachel Yaakov said, he'd rather say, the word itself on Yom Kippur of Shabbat carries the meaning of a negative prohibition, not because we borrow the negative prohibition from Shabbos. Why wouldn't anyone want to say I know. That well, because, because since when does the word Shabbos intrinsically mean a negative prohibition? It's right, in a way. It's only because it's like of your analogy. It's, like a it's, shave it's all right. It's only because of your analogy to Shabbos gracious. Why did Rebach Yaakov say the word Shabbat Shabbaton is coming to tell you the negative? Right. Don't, right. Do, don't do, do the opposite. So no, because he needs that puzzle to tell you something else. And if I really look at the time, you need it for which we teach in a bright stuff. You need seventh not show sechem. You should afflict yourselves b'tisha lechodesh on the ninth. Yocho yatzchav yitana b'tisha. Now this is going, what going to be where we get this idea of tosefet. Maybe it says fast yourself. The puzzle is you need temet nafshotechem b'tisha b'chodesh me erev me erev ad erev from the ninth at night from evening to evening. So it's going to bother the brightest circle. That's a very bizarre thing. Since when does the Torah say it doesn't say keep Shabbos from fr- from Friday from night to night? So why you know it's, it's the tenth day. The tenth day begins the night of the ninth. Why does it say the ninth at night? So from that they're going to learn that to some degree Yom Kippur already begins in the ninth, and that's we're going to learn the idea of Tosefet. Okay, Yachu Yachu Bitzad Bitzich. Maybe literally Yom Kippur begins on the ninth. No, in evening. Now, if it's in the evening, maybe only when it's fully dark, you know, when it's really how the tenth day begins. Then why does it say the ninth? How do you reconcile this? You start a little bit from the day before. This is the basis that you add from the weekday. And as I said, generally we speak about like starting Shabbos early and adding uh, Shabbos and Yontif. But according to some Rishonim, the Rambam, the only biblical idea of Tosefis is by Yom Kippur because of the Pasuk of Betisha Bachodesh Ba'erev. The Eimia, the Bichnisatso, I only know about adding and starting Yom Kippur early when it begins. How do I know you're supposed to add a little bit even after Yom Kippur? When it's harder, you're dying to eat. From evening to evening. So the same way when it began, it began a little bit into the day. When it ends, it goes a little bit into the next day. The Yom Now here's where we extend it from Yom Kippur elsewhere. I only know Yom Kippur. What we the the side of Shabbosos Minayan. How do I know there's an idea of Tosefet Shabbos? Right? It is Tishpatu Shabbat Chem. So the extra word tells me this idea of Tosefet applies even to Shabbos and Yantan. As I said, Rambam thinks that that's only rabbinic. How is this possible? Wherever it says rest, you add. So Shabbat Chem for a Papa teaches you that it is a negative prohibition, like Shabbos, but the other learning from Kishpatu Shabbat Chem is to teach you that it's th- every Shabbos, whether it's Yom Kippur, whether it's Shabbos, whether it's Yom Kippur, starts a little bit from the day before. Okay. The ton of the Etem Etem, Hai Betisha Lechodesh by Abedlei. So on the Amad Aleph, remember, we had a ton that said, because it says Etem, to teach me you only get punished and you only transgress on the day itself, not on the Tosefet. So the Gemara is saying, if you're learning out that you don't get punished on the Tosefet, you're implicitly learning out that there is an idea of Tosefet. So according to him, you don't need the Pasuk to teach me, the Tisha B'chodesh Me'erev Me'erev that there's a concept of Tosefet. You can infer it 
from the fact that the Pesach is telling me you don't get punished for the Tosefet. You don't get punished for the Tosefet. But implicitly, there's an idea of Tosefet. So what do you do from the Kisha B'chodesh? So, what do you need that for? By the way, look at the Tani Chia Barab Midifti. What says, You should afflict yourselves on the ninth. Do you really afflict yourselves on the ninth? The fast starts on the tenth. So why does it say the ninth? So you don't have. So one answer is Tosefet. But if you already know the idea of Tosefet, what is this telling you? to tell you. There's a very other famous teaching. If you eat on the ninth, you don't fast on the ninth. You eat on the ninth. But if you eat on the ninth, it's like you fasted. Patisha b'chodesh. Yes, your fasting begins on the ninth, not because of Tosef. That we already know. Your fat because the eating done for the sake of fasting makes it as if you fasted. So for some people, this is a very important principle conceptually about what fasting is about. We, one of the things we discussed at the beginning of the Perek is, is fasting about hurting yourself, afflicting yourself, that's some part of the process of tshuva, that you know you're beating yourself up to some degree, you're making yourself miserable, or, like the Gemara said before, of Kish Petu Shabbat and the Rambam says, no, it's not about the pain and the suffering, it's about freeing yourself from the physical world. So that idea that it's, uh, is supported by this drasha because what does it mean if you eat it's like you afflicted yourself initially? You should say the opposite. You should say if I'm eating a, on the day before it makes it easier for me to fast. That should undermine the fast. So some people say want to read it that way and say no, no, no. Because if, you know, if you really stuff yourself the day before it makes the fasting harder <laughs> you know, cause psychologically. But the better explanation is no. It's not about making it hard to fast. It's about freeing yourself from the physical world. So actually, you, you do better by eating appropriately the day before so you're not on Yom Kippur thinking, oh my God, I can't wait till this day is over until I can eat and so on. Right? It's supposed to be freeing yourself and, and not removing your focus on the fasting so you can free yourself from more spiritual matters. So it actually makes the fast better if you eat before and therefore you're less hungry on Yom Kippur itself. So that points to a very different way of conceptualizing the fast. It's not about the affliction. It's about the freeing of yourself and therefore it even makes it a better fast if you eat before and that's why it's ki'ilu because it's not about how you're hurting yourself it's about how you, what the estate that you are achieving okay to be continued